You know, as, as Paul was talking about those Christmas movies and, you know, I always, always make fun of the, the um, Hallmark movies because there's always the same plot, always the same outcome. I just wish one time in one of those Hallmark movies it wouldn't work out. <laughs> but it does every single time. And, you know, so, <clears throat> but I, um, actually I do like some of the Hallmark movies. They are pretty good, but... Um, I've watched several of the Christmas movies I know. Uh, Home Alone, uh, that's that's my, one of my favorites. Um, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, that's one. Elf is absolutely one. You know, I just love those movies, and they do. You know, they do kind of ring in and get get us going on the the um, the atmosphere you might want to say of of preparing for Christmas. But you know, we we enjoy it very much so. But you know, part of the Christmas story that is somewhat unscriptural that we see in the um, display here with the wise men. You know, the wise men um, come anywhere from six months to two months later when the child is already in a home. But, you know, to be able to create that, you got to have them there, but that's all right. Um, Most people know that Christmas celebrates the birth of Christ. But I think sometimes, I don't think we completely understand as much as we might think we do about the Christmas story. I have a really good Christmas test that I have given out quite a few times, and there have been multiple people who have <clears throat> failed that test miserably, but that's all right. But in a small in a small southern town, there was this nativity scene set up, and it showed great skill and talent that had gone into creating this nativity scene. And I don't know if you've been to any of the live nativities around, but they are pretty awesome. And so one of these small um, towns featured, you know, it was it was one that, that bothered this guy. He said this one small feature, he said, bothered me. He said, the three wise men were wearing firemen's helmets and, and totally unable to come up with a reason or an explanation as to why. They had these wise men out at the nativity scene, and they were all wearing fire helmets. And he said, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. And so he says, I, so at the quick stop at the edge of town, he asked the lady behind the counter about the helmets. He says, I just don't understand. And this woman just absolutely exploded on him, and like in a fit of rage, yelling at me, she said. He says, she says, you Yankees, you never do read your Bibles, do you? <laughs> and I assured her that I did, but simply couldn't recall anything in the Bible about a fireman wearing a helmet. So she jerked her Bible from behind the counter, and she ruffled through some of the pages, and finally she jabbed her finger at this passage right there in the Bible, and it's sticking it right in my face. She said, see, it's right there. The three wise men came from afar. <laughs> Well, I guess now you know the rest of the story, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, that's funny. How many of you here this morning have seen the bumper sticker, or maybe it's in the window of the car that says, wise men still seek him? Anybody ever see that? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I like that. I like that bumper sticker, wise men still seek him. Uh, the wise men never lost sight of what they were seeking. 
And we need to do the same. We need to make sure that we don't lose sight of why we're here. We don't lose sight of why we celebrate Christmas. You know, it it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, this word, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, looking at that passage, you know, I think about that word earnestly. What does that mean, really? Are we earnestly seeking him? You know, this is both exhortation and promise. This is a promise to us. God will reward those who seek him. And wise men and wise women still seek him. Amen? That's right. So no doubt from your earliest recollections of the Christmas story, you recall hearing of the wise men who came from afar. <laughs> you know, I was looking that when I was when I shared that, I was looking to see where in the scripture does it say that they came from afar? It doesn't quite say it like that in any any um, of the Bibles that I could find. But they came to visit the newborn Christ child. And each of us has sung many times the, the carols that, that tell the story of the wise men. As a matter of fact, during our, 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 our Christmas Eve service, we're going to sing a couple songs that talk about the wise men. You know, we can even visualize these kingly men riding their camels through the desert sands, you know, dressed in their beautiful, colorful robes, you know, coming to see the Christ child. But, my question is, who really are they? Who are they? You know, and, and what do we really know about them? Because see, the only place that I know is in Matthew. We, we don't really know a lot about them. We only have a general idea of where they came from, you know, and we can only surmise as to how they knew to follow this star that was up in the heavens. But we really don't know that much about them. In fact, we don't even know for sure how many wise men there were? How many is it usually said in the scripture? How many that we think of? How many, how many wise men do we think of when we think of wise men? Three. Why is that? Because of the three gifts. What are the three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's right. And so naturally it's, it's our inclination to think that there were three wise men because there were three gifts. So they seem to come out of nowhere. Um, they pay their respects. They stop and they worship the Christ child. And then they disappear. And that's all we ever hear from them. They just disappear. You know, Matthew's gospel gives us a record of their journey. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Wow. So who were these wise men? Well, they were probably religious philosophers, stargazers from Persia who in their contact with the Jews that had been scattered throughout the East, had probably become familiar with the Jewish law and probably became familiar with Jewish prophecy. 
through the Bible. So they, they are referred to as wise men. We refer to them as kings. We, re, we refer to them as, as the scripture says here, magi. So we have three names for them. You know, I believe that they were distinguished foreigners who, who visited Jesus after his birth. They bear, they were bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if you, if you do a study on that of the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, each one of those gifts represents something about Jesus. It's interesting. I'm not going to go into that, but it's interesting to do that study on that because it, it, does, it shows different things about Jesus that I think would be really interesting to study. And so, you know, <clears throat> they were distinguished, you know, they, they were bearing the gifts. And in Eastern Christianity, especially in the Syriac churches, the Magi, believe it or not, often numbered 12. When they, were, when they talked about the Magi, it was usually there were 12 of them. So they would come in 12s. Like 12 or 24 or what's next? 36, you know, they would come in 12s. Their identification as kings in, in later Christian writings is probably linked to Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 6. It's interesting. It says this right here. It says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people's. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you, all assembled, all assemble, and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and, and swell with joy. The wealth of, on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will, will cover your, your land. Your camels of Midian and Ephrath. <clears throat> and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Bearing the gold and incense, frankincense and myrrh. You know, this refers to kings coming to the brightness of your dawn, from that brightness of that star, bearing gifts of gold and incense. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 2,000 years before God made a promise to Abraham, and he said, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Then the prophet Isaiah elaborated on the blessing, on this blessed, this blessing that was promised to Abraham. And he does that right here in Isaiah chapter 60. I believe he does that. <clears throat> and although these wise men were Gentiles, they were not Jews. They obviously had a great interest in the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. They were concerned about that. They were intelligent, they were searching men, and they believed the word of God as they read it or as they heard it spoken to them. And they believed it. So my thought is this. Think about the faith that these men displayed to come this far 
from afar. You know, sounds, sounds like almost like a pirate. Hard hearty, you know. <laughs> but think about their faith, though. Think about their faith coming from that distance to worship a baby. What faith. And even though we are not given a great amount of information about these wise men, we can determine why they were called wise men simply by understanding exactly what they did. And so this is the third series in our series Christmas of Make Room in Your Heart. Make Room in Your Heart is the song says for God to write his story. And so this morning, I want to look at four things the wise men did that I believe will strengthen our faith as we follow Jesus too. And the first thing that the wise men did was this. They followed God's divine leading. That's what they did. They followed God's divine leading. You know, the, the wisdom of the wise men centers first in the fact that they followed God. They followed God's divine leading. You know, how they learned of the prophecy concerning the Messiah, we don't really know. We don't know. We're not for sure. What we do know is that they believed that God would lead them to the Christ child. They believed that. You know, it was natural that these wise men should be familiar with heavenly bodies, with the sky, with the stars. Undoubtedly, they had searched the skies for many days seeking a sign of the birth of the Christ child, the birth of a king. So to their receptive minds, the guiding star was really kind of like the finger of God moving across the heavens. And they followed that star. They followed God's finger across the heavens. And how fitting that God would use something that familiar to these astrologers, these stargazers, these philosophers to lead them there. But doesn't he do that for us? Doesn't he do that for us as well? Use something familiar to bring us to him? Absolutely. So my question to you this morning is this. Are you sensitive to God's leading? Really, are you sensitive to God's leading? This truth has not changed from that day to this day. It hasn't changed. The truly wise man or woman is the one who follows the leading of God. These learned men from the East were not given a road map. They didn't have a GPS to follow, guys. Don't you love your GPS? I mean, it can get you just about anywhere. I love the GPS. They were given a star to follow. I can't even imagine some of you folks trying to follow a star. That would almost be scary. (laughs) That would, you know, thinking about that, that, that's kind of scary. But they were given a star to follow. And so they followed the light they had And God honored them for that. He absolutely honored them for that. 
You know, someone has said that the way to see far ahead in the will of God is to go ahead just as far as you can see. Makes sense, doesn't it? That sounds simple enough. And it is so true. You go just as far as you can see. God will take you the rest of the way. God does not outline our journey. He does not outline our entire journey. We don't know from, from, from day to day. But he does lead every step of the way for us. If we will just allow him to lead. But some of us just, we're stubborn. We don't want him to lead. We, we want to be the pilot. We want to be in command. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. The writer of Proverbs tells us that if we acknowledge God in all our ways, what does he do? He will direct your paths. Notice what it says there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That is a promise to us. God gave the children of Israel, if you remember back in the Old Testament, and when they were, when they were um, fleeing from Egypt, God gave the children of Israel a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to follow, didn't he? If you remember, he gave the wise men the star to lead them. It is true that he does not deal with most of us that dramatically anymore. He just doesn't. But he has promised that he will go before us. He will lead us if we will allow him to do that. If we are willing to take one step towards the Lord, he will take two steps towards you. Wise men and women today, as always, are those who follow God's divine leadership. He's the man in charge. The second thing that I want to point out is this. The second thing that the wise men did was they responded in faith. They responded in faith. You know, I'm sure that their friends, before they got ready to go on this journey, I am sure that there were some of those friends. You know, you have them, and we all have them. There were some of those friends who must have thought these wise men were out of their minds. Why would you do this? Where are you going? You know, they, they very well could have asked, you know, do you even know where you're going? Well, we don't really know for sure, the wise men probably answered. Well, you know, we don't know who this king is or, or where to find him. You know, we, we don't have any idea of how long the journey is going to take us or how much it's going to cost. We don't know all those things. And I imagine the wise men were asked, well, why do you want to take this foolish and dangerous trip? Why would you do that? Why would you go? Why are you going to all this trouble? Why? The wise men may have replied. Who knows how they replied? But they went on that trip. So I'm guessing that they probably replied this way because we have heard a story from the scripture and we have seen the star in the sky and we have felt that stirring in our souls. Have you felt that stirring in your soul? Have you felt it? 
So, you know, it was like Abraham. Remember Abraham of old who left his home for the Ur Chaldeans? You know, the wise men went out just like Abraham, <clears throat> not knowing necessarily where they were going. And, and, and wise men of every generation have done this. William Carey. Remember William Carey? He was an English shoemaker. He read our Lord's greatest commission from Matthew 28. He realized the responsibility of taking the gospel to every creature. And that's what he wanted to do. In the face of severe opposition and ridicule, he traveled to that far-off land of India, and he labored there for seven years. Seven years. You know, you've put up with me for four Add three more to that. Seven years before he saw one soul won to Christ. Wow. He worked relentlessly. He translated the Bible into several languages. And he became known as the father of modern missions. That was William Carey. David Livingstone demonstrated the same venture of faith as he pioneered with the gospel message throughout the continent of Africa. That's what he did. C.T. Studd, I like the name, an all-star cricketer, never heard of that, cricketer, playing cricket, I guess, from Cambridge, England, forsook fame and fortune. I mean, this guy, he was really good, and he could have made fame and fortune. And he forsook the fame and fortune and poured out his life in missionary work. And he too traveled by faith. And of course, many of us from the end of the spear know the movie or have seen the movie um, and know about Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott and four other men were murdered by the Akua Indians. You know, some were, were critical. Some were absolutely critical of their attempts to penetrate that, that savage people with the gospel message. They said to them, what a waste, what a waste of time. You know, some of the people cried, how foolish to throw your life away for nothing. But you know what? When God opens his book to that list of names and it's finally open, I believe that all these are going to be listed as wise men and women. Men who ventured forth in faith. You know, we don't have to go any further than our Bibles to see that kind of faith demonstrated by God's people, do we? If you turn and you look at, at Hebrews chapter 11, the whole chapter, what does it say there? It says, by faith, Abel. It says, by faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. By faith. But at the very end of that passage, at the very end of that chapter, this is what it says. It says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. They all were commended for their faith. And so I wonder if you and I can say that we have used our opportunities that we have had 
to truly demonstrate genuine faith. Have we been wise men and women or have we been foolish men and women when it comes to sharing our faith? See, each one of us has to answer that as individuals in knowing our lives and what we've done or we haven't done. The third thing that the wise men did was they embraced godly wisdom. They didn't embrace worldly wisdom. You know, the the wisdom of the wise men was really unique. Uh, God's wise men and women, I believe, are always wiser than than worldly wise men and women. You know, after, after losing the star, you know, on their westward trip, you know, some of them would have said, oh, we'll just go anyway. You know, that's, that's the typical man for you. Now, the women will say, no, we better stop and ask for directions, okay? Yeah, let's just do that. But, you know, after losing the star on their westward trip, the wise men decided to seek further information concerning this new king. So surely, they, they must have thought, surely in Jerusalem they would be told where they could find this king, you know, so they asked, and look what it says in, in, in Matthew chapter 2. It says, and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I imagine the wise men expected to find all of Jerusalem worshiping at the feet of this new king. I really thought that they thought that. You know, why wouldn't they think that? Here, here we followed the star and so all these people must be worshiping him. But that was not the case, folks. In fact, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 says this. When King Herod heard this, <clears throat> he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. It wasn't just King Herod. All of Jerusalem was disturbed as well. Interesting, huh? Absolutely interesting. No one in the religious center around Jerusalem seemed to be aware of the Messiah's birth. How could they miss that? And so when the frightened Herod, King Herod, demanded of the chief priests and the scribes, where where this Christ child, where this Christ was to be born, what did they do? They had to go to Scripture because they didn't know. So they they went to Scripture. And it, it was from the Old Testament prophecies that the religious leaders were able to determine that Christ would indeed be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. What prophet was that? It was prophet, it was the, it was Micah. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2 it says, But you, O Bethlehem of Paphrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That's what they found. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, a prophet hundreds of years before Christ was even born. But in spite of the fact that these learned men came up with the correct answer, 
in spite of their knowledge, these religious leaders never did find Jesus. Hmm. The scribes and the priests represented the, the wisdom of the world, and they knew, but they did nothing about it. They knew. They knew he was being born, but they did nothing about it. The men from the east were God's true wise men. They believed his word and they did something about it. They acted upon it. That's what they did. Their theology was little, but their obedience was complete. And the Bible tells us that the same star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. Notice what it says. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen went seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Jerry and I had a conversation about this. Some people believe that that star was an angel. I don't think it was, but we don't know for sure. But it would make sense. It could make sense that it was an angel. But see, it went ahead of them. God led them to the Christ child. Heavenly wisdom is always far superior to worldly wisdom. Be wise in the way you choose. The fourth thing that the wise men did was the most important of all. When they came to the Christ child, they worshipped him. The wisdom of the wise men was demonstrated in the fact that they worshipped Jesus. Notice what it says there. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed on coming to the house. See the house? Not a stable. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, Charles Lamb was once discussing discussing this, this, the, the greatest literary characters of all times. And he named both William Shakespeare and Jesus Christ as two of the greatest uh, literary characters of all times. But the major difference between these two, this is what Charles Lamb said, the major difference between William Shakespeare and Jesus Christ, this is what Charles Lamb said. He says, is that if Shakespeare came into a room, we would all stand and honor and respect him. But if Jesus Christ were to come into the room, if he were here, we would all humbly bow and we would worship him. That's the difference. See, the wise men had come a long way by faith. They truly did. They came a long way by faith. But more than that, they entered the house, they fell on their knees, and they worshiped the Christ child. Perhaps, perhaps you today 
are just like the wise men seeking to know the Lord. Uh, you, you may have come to the very brink of giving your life to Jesus, but, but you've, maybe you stopped short of that goal. I don't know where you stand. Um, you have acknowledged your need of a Savior, but maybe you have failed to enter into that open arms and love or into the watery graves of baptism behind me. You know, the Bible tells us that the wise men entered the house, they saw the child, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. You know, they had, they had journeyed by faith, and now they entered in and they worshipped by faith. You know, so many in our world today say, show me, and then I'll believe. But God's way turns it around. He invites us to, to hear the word and to believe, and then we will see because Believing means seeing and trusting. He invites us to repent. He invites us to be baptized. He invites us to continue a life believing and having faith. See, the wise men believed God and they rewarded. They were rewarded by sight. But you know what? There's more to that than just what I just said there. There's more. The wise men not only worshiped the Christ child, But what they did was they presented him with gifts. They gave him gifts. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh were an indication of their love and their adoration for this Christ child. And I believe this is the reason, this is the reason they had come. This is why they had journeyed so far. You know, when when a person has truly come to know and obey Christ, the outpouring of gifts of love are sure to follow that trip. Those gifts, those gifts don't have to be gold or frankincense or myrrh, folks. Instead, why not make your life a gift to him. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what Christmas is all about. God's gift to us is his son, Jesus Christ. And in return, God desires a gift from us. You know what he desires? He desires your heart. He desires your your life. He desires your all. He wants every part of you. You know, the the great hymn writer, Isaac Watts, has said in this song, when I survey the wondrous cross, you know that song? He says, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul my life, my all. Today, my question to you is this. Will you find the Christ child? Will you find the Christ child? You know, life life is a journey in search of truths that help shape our destination And they help to shape our destiny, don't they? Life is a journey. When we seek God, 
with sincere determination. I believe as Jeremiah said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I believe that we will find him. If God can reach out to Gentile astrologers, (laughs) then he can reach anyone. A true encounter with Jesus always, always can transform all of life. It truly can. So today, I ask, as I have the past two weeks, this one last question. Will you make room in your heart for God to write his story? Only you can answer that.